Welcome to the Becoming You podcast. I'm your host, Megan, a mindset coach passionate about helping you feel empowered to be your most authentic and confident self. In these episodes, you can expect to find raw and honest solo conversations, practical tips, inspiring interviews and insights that will cover topics like self-awareness, self-development, anxiety, health, and so much more. If you're ready to take back ownership of your life and feel confident to step into who you truly are, then this podcast is for you. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the Becoming You podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Jade Hanna, a mindset coach who helps mums ditch the overwhelm, anxiety, and mum guilt and find their passion and identity again. Hi, Jade. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so glad to have you on this podcast. Um, We've known each other for a couple of years now right yeah it's like it's been a while for sure it's been a while we know each other through evolve and relaunch and at nlp coaching so i've been following your journey you've been following my journey for a while um so i'm kind of glad we get to finally have a conversation like this um and when we were talking about like topics to talk about i think boundaries was such like a for both of us was like a thing of yes we need to talk about this. It's coming up right now. I don't know about you, but in my life it's coming up and I just think so many people struggle with it. So I think it's a great kind of topic to talk about. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think like, I don't know, I think we're going to bounce off of each other so well. I'm so excited. For you. <laughs> so before we dive into that, I would love for you to share with us a bit about you, why you actually do the work that you do and something that you enjoy doing that lights you up. Oh, that's, it's so hard. Whenever someone's like, tell us about you. I'm like, girl, I'm 33. There is a lot to cram into a very short space of time. (laughs) But I think like I've been coaching now for three years and I've worked with a few different sort of people. And I guess what sort of led me to coaching was going through my own like transformational journey and sort of realizing the person that I was and that I didn't actually like that person very much. Yeah. Um, and that's not all of me that I didn't like, but there were definitely some parts of me that I was like, you know, I can't keep continuing on this way. I can't continue to be this person. And so the more that I sort of started unpacking who I was, the more I wanted to help other people. And so I've done a few different sort of like niches and stuff and different people I've worked with, but I've done everything from like confidence coaching, empowerment coaching, but now I'm working with mums because I am a mum and <laughs> I just feel like it's just, it comes so naturally to me. And when I say I coach mums, a lot of people think that I coach people how to be a mum and tell them what's right and wrong to do. And that is so not the case. What I do is I help with the mindset that helps mums get through motherhood but also unpacking their own stuff so that they're not passing on that like generational trauma or creating generational trauma and, you know, just making sure they can feel like the best version of themselves and actually understand themselves and how they're, who they are affects their children as well. So I guess that's kind of me in a little bit of a nutshell, but I'm sure more stuff will come up through the podcast. (laughs) I think that work that you are now doing, and I know you've pivoted, like you said, from, from something and now it's like you become a mother. So you are now coaching in this space. I think it's so important. And I think the work that you're doing is incredible and, you know, working to stop generational trauma and actually like we have to deal with our own things. so We don't pass it on to our children. Oh, 
my god it's just <laughs> amazing i love that you're doing that work so thank you for for being that you know being in that space and helping women um i think that's amazing um also something that you do that lights you up what do you love to do i love fitness i love 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 fitness i'm in the gym five to six days a week and on the days that i rest i'm doing more gentle exercises like yoga i just find there's something that's so meditative meditative about it <laughs> it just makes me relax and you know lets all the things drop in and yeah I just I just love it yeah I feel the same I love um going to the gym for that exact same reason and it's um it's so funny when you don't do it for like I want to lose weight or I want to like when you've got sort of no real goal in mind you just go to do it you find that the the aesthetics and all the things actually just come as a byproduct and you can enjoy actually working out and like having that time for yourself and building strength as well because I've oh. seen you I've seen you what you're doing you're building some strength girl <laughs> I am um, I was so happy the other week when I got like four unassisted chin-ups like for me postpartum that was like a massive deal and like I do work with a coach and we do have mm. some goals and stuff in mind but I'm so not dictated by the scales or progress I'm just dictated by the fact that I love genuinely love going and my coach helps me work through that so yeah love it amazing all right, let's let's dive in. Let's talk about this this shit. I say this shit, but like this the good shit, the juicy. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would love to know because I think we all kind of experienced this and have an experience with this. What was your sort of first memory of putting other people before yourself or people pleasing in some way? I was thinking about this when we started, like talking about boundaries and people pleasing, and I think. I've always been a very strong-willed child. Like my mum used to say to me, nobody will ever get Jade to do something that she doesn't want to do. I've always been that way. I've always been strong-willed. But when I reflected back on it, I guess the first memory I have that I, or the first conscious memory I have of it was definitely in my teens. And I think mm -hmm. that has a lot to do with, you know, changing bodies and hormones and all those sorts of things and not really knowing where you fit in and starting to try to craft that identity. But I became really aware of me doing things that I actually didn't really want to do in order to either fit in or make someone else feel better. And I am talking about things like smoking weed or mm. drinking or, you know, like all those extremes. But I guess like that's the first conscious memory that I really have because before that I was very no hard and fast I'm not doing that that's really interesting actually um I mean it's, it's it's not in a way like it makes sense because I think like you said you when you become a teenager hormones all the things you're starting to sort of come into that period of like re rebellion where you can sort of shape your own self and you're exploring and you're working out where do I fit so it makes sense that then you kind of do things that maybe you you wouldn't um, but it's really interesting that before that you were very like, no, <laughs> this this is how I this is how I feel. And whereas I was the opposite, I was like, oh, I'll you know put everybody first. And I think that was through the good girl. I mean, the good girl um, persona of like, it's very important that other people get their needs met. Not in those words, but you know, you learn that other people are important and you sort of go oh, okay and I'll, I'll put them first and then that becomes easier than when you go into your teen years to carry that on and keep doing that and keep saying oh you know you come first or putting yourself in situations where you probably should say no 
but you are too scared to or it doesn't or it doesn't feel comfortable to I don't know if you experienced that where you were doing things where you think I really I'm not comfortable to do this but I don't want to say no to it either. yeah and I think like for me it's even into my 20s I have really vivid memories and I mean 20s isn't that long ago so it makes sense they would be vivid <laughs> but of my dad pressuring me into doing things I didn't want to do which was really interesting because my dad has always been a pretty reliant on drugs right um, he has a very big drug history a very big gambling history and a lot of mental health issues mm-hmm. and I have really clear memories of his birthday parties and things and him saying oh come on you know loosen up just have a joint you know like or whatever and I didn't want to say no and be the odd one out in my family yes so, that was really prominent for me. That's huge when it comes to families too. I mean, we can talk about friendships, but I think the family unit and where we fit in that and our place, well, it's also kind of set from a young age too, right? And that's the system and that's how we operate and this is where we fit. And when we feel like we don't want to be in that anymore, we want to form our own thing it's really hard because you just think I'm going to be ostracized I'm not going to fit into this anymore and then where am I going to fit you know like family is your core what do you call like it's your core system yeah I mean it's where all your core values come from is your family and I Mm -hmm. think that I was very lucky to have a mum who I think was a very positive influence and that's not to say that she wasn't without her own things that she passed on to me but my dad was a really big person for not really encouraging me to be the person I wanted to be so interesting so how do you think that the patterns that sort of played out maybe in your teen years or into your early 20s then impacted your relationships moving forward obviously including the relationship with yourself which is the most important one (laughs) I think in terms of the relationship that I had with myself it really affected my perception of myself and my self-worth and my self-worth was non-existent. I did not believe in myself. I kept, when bad things would happen to me, I would say things to myself like, well, what did you expect? Like, this is kind of what you deserve and things like that. Instead of just acknowledging that I was allowed to make mistakes or that bad things could happen. And I guess in terms of relationships, People pleasing really played out for me in romantic relationships. I had a series of really bad romantic relationships where there was a lot of manipulation, a lot of lying, and that was not just one. It was a series of, you know, partners that were like that. And I guess prior to the partner I had now, I only had one real positive relationship and that one lasted four years And I blew that up in a non-healthy way. So that low sense of self-worth and that ability or desire, that need to people please, really landed me in quite a lot of trouble and especially landed me in a domestic violence relationship because, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the need to people please when you're in a DV relationship is huge and I didn't have the self-worth to escape it um, for nearly 18 months. So yeah, yeah, it definitely played out. Mm. Where do you think the, the the lack of self-worth was stemming from? Because I'm assuming you felt like that before you got into these relationships. Yeah, I think I think people pleasing my family had a lot to do with that. 
Because I think when you people, well, I know when you people please, you're not doing things for yourself. You're actually losing your own identity. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have an identity that's really strong or that you understand your perception of yourself, it then becomes easy to not be able to identify your worth because where can you possibly see it if you don't even know who you are? Yeah, huge. Um, You were just saying something then and I was like, and I want, and I, and it's gone, and it's really annoying. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Oh, it was you were talking about your sense of self, and if you don't know who you are, then like, how can you even? You've got nothing to kind of base it on, so you're basically going off what other people perceive you as. That was it. Um, it was that people sort of think that people pleasing is nice. It's being nice. It's being selfless when actually it's being pretty selfish because what you're trying to do is control the people's perception of you um, by giving them what they want or doing what you think they want you to do. And yeah, so so not having that knowing of oh, who am I and what do I value and what do I think about things, I can see how can lead you to be lost in relationships. And I've also experienced that myself. And I think I took on like traits from other people as well because I didn't know who I was or what I stood for. Yeah. It then became really easy to start trying on different hats or different traits from other people. And one that I actually tried on and wore for quite a long time, which was the thing that really drove me to change who I was, was I tried on my dad's hat of not being truthful. My dad would stretch the truth to the point where we didn't even know if there was any truth in a story anymore. And so I tried that hat on for a very long time. And I think that's one of those things. If you if you don't know who you are, you are so much more susceptible to trying on the traits that you don't necessarily want to own and doing the things that other people want you to do. Yeah, 100%. Um how did that how did putting on that hat impact your relationships? Um, I look a hundred percent transparency and look, most people will know there's nothing that you can't ask me. <laughs> I in my last healthy relationship prior to my current partner, when things weren't going well, rather than face that truth head on, I did something to explode the relationship and I actually cheated on that partner. And he right. knows that. And I've been honest with him since about that, but doing things like that, where it became like a a self-sabotaging thing. And the really stupid thing was, and this, it still gets me to this day. I am a horrible liar. I am actually a rubbish liar. Me too. (laughs) Like I'm one of those people, like everything is written all over my face. So I would think that I was getting away with the lying and I was not, Mm. it, it just doesn't happen. So I did lots of things to blow up my life, but I think not telling the truth and not being honest with myself and other people definitely affected relationships in so many ways. Yeah, not being honest with yourself is one of the biggest and it can keep us, well, we just want to avoid the emotional pain. We just don't want to avoid having to face our own shit and admit where we're maybe not being our best selves. And so it's easier to just put it on other people and lie and just pretend that, you know, and make excuses for things. And I've definitely done that in the past as well. And and the self-sabotage thing, a hundred percent relate to and and very much in relationships. And it's really interesting. 
suppose if you're in an intimate relationship with somebody else, that's like the closest relationship you can have. So naturally these things are going to come out. But I've always found that, yeah, less so in friendships, more so in relationships is where it gets to a, a good point. Maybe things are going really well. And I'm like, unconsciously, how can I sabotage this? This is too good. This is too, I don't deserve this. So I'm going to fucking throw a grenade and I'm going to blow it up. And naturally it ends up, it, it, the person ends up leaving because it's like, I thought everything was okay. And you keep, you keep doing things and creating drama and creating chaos that I don't want to have to deal with. And it took me a long time to realize that, oh yeah, like part of me, like I was the problem. <laughs> and I think that's where like people pleasing and not having that sense of strong sense of identity can really play in because you will sabotage because if you don't know who you are, it is easy to sabotage yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about boundaries? Because we know they're not the same thing, right? People pleasing is, is, is putting other people first and maybe want to try to control their perception of you, but boundaries is a different thing. Boundaries is like protecting yourself and, and what you need to do for energetically and obviously in other ways. So like, how do you think that, you or you did or didn't have boundaries in those relationships as well I guess where my head automatically went back to is when I was 16 I was sexually assaulted by a close friend Mm -hmm. and I didn't speak up for myself when it was happening because I had already had very weak boundaries but I didn't really realize it until that happened and I didn't know how to stop and speak up for myself So although I've always been a person who, like even from a young age, who's very strong and sure of themselves, I didn't necessarily know how to speak up for myself. So not having boundaries caused issues in so many different ways. I mean, it caused issues in my romantic relationships. It caused issues with my family relationships. And I don't think I actually realized that until a lot later on, until I had started doing this work, till I yeah. started working on myself that I realized, oh my gosh, like I haven't had boundaries for the longest time. And that's why a lot of my relationships are failing, whether that's with friends or family or romantic relationships, because I don't actually tell people the standard that I have and the standard that I will accept. Yeah. Part of that is actually knowing that for yourself too, right? So many of us don't know well, what actually is my standard? Like what, what is, especially if we lack self-worth, how can we say, how can we set a boundary when we don't know what we're worth? We don't sort of know this is, no, this is not acceptable or this is what my expectation. So I think that definitely plays into it. Like what do I actually know what my boundaries are and then being able to communicate it? I mean, I don't know about you, but we, I wasn't raised in a family where boundaries were set. Like it, it was like almost like an enmeshment. Like it would very much be, the family revolved around how my mum was feeling and we were very much kind of move around that. I didn't get to set boundaries for myself. They weren't modelled to me. And then it's interesting that you talked about a sexual assault at, at 16 because I was in a, a relationship that was abusive around that same age. Um, my first experience of love, thinking that this person loves me and this person would use what you would call boundaries as ultimatums. You know, if you don't do this, this is going to happen. If you do this, this is going to happen. And that's where I then had my first experience around like boundaries and what they are. And I, I didn't like them, you know, like, so so I then went the opposite way of, well, no, because if someone says that they're setting an ultimatum and it's really aggressive and it's very like, 
I don't want to have someone tell me what to do. And that was with other people setting them with me, less so with me setting them with other people. But I suppose I also felt like, oh, I can't set a boundary because then I'm being aggressive. I, people are going to think I'm being selfish or all the things. And it just, oh, it was a, it was a, a whirlwind for a long time there. <laughs> yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense. But I loved what you said too about your mum not modeling or not having boundaries modeled to you. Cause I know that my mum didn't model boundaries to me and mm. I, I love my mum, and I do not say this in with any negativity towards her at all, but no. my mum is not great at embracing uh, hard times or darkness. Yes. She kind of skims over them. And I think that comes from a lack of boundaries as well. Like she has a boundary of, we won't discuss these things or we'll glaze over them. Right. But she doesn't have any boundaries that sort of say this is what I will or won't accept. And so because I didn't have that modelled to me, I didn't know what the what a boundary even was. Like how can you when my mom was all always so hell-bent on making everything around her great for everybody else instead of actually ever worrying about herself? Mm. I mean, even to this day, and like the same, like I love my parents to death, obviously, but even as I started doing this work and realizing, oh yeah, okay, I've got to, there's things in my life that I don't like about myself, you know, and and my relationships and I need to change some things. And one of the things is I need to start setting boundaries that wasn't met very well from my family because it's something they didn't understand. And it's something that they hadn't had modeled to, to them from their parents, right? It's a generational thing. And so when you're the person that is standing up in that relationship and saying, hey, this is actually now what I will or won't accept, or this is my way of communicating, or this, whatever the thing is, that other person is not necessarily going to agree or be happy or maybe not even want a relationship because they can't understand it. And that can be really, really hard. That's something that I've really struggled with on this journey. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think I'm really strong on modeling it for my daughter. And if I feel like someone is crossing my boundary, I will stop and I'll say, this is a boundary for me and I need you to accept it. If you're not clear on it, let's have a conversation because I want her to grow up knowing that she's allowed to say no, that she doesn't have to accept things from people if she doesn't want to, and that boundaries are healthy and normal. And I encourage her to have them even with me. Yeah, absolutely which I'm sure at some point is going to give you such like a reflection and a mirror and it's going to like all the things are going to come up. But that's just another great learning opportunity and opportunity for growth, right? Oh, it's already been heartbreaking. The other day (laughs) she didn't want to kiss me when I dropped her off at daycare and like the urge to be like, no, I made you. I can kiss you when I want to was really strong. Right. But instead I had to be like, you know, that's all right, darling. If you don't want to kiss me, that's okay. You have a good day at daycare and put her down, you know, like Mm. that's okay. You don't have to do that rather than what I probably got modeled, which was no, you kiss your grandmother or you kiss your mother when they want to kiss you. You know, I don't want that for her. She's allowed to have that. That's the first thing I thought of when we think about modeling boundaries for children is that is that exact situation. You have to, you greet in this way. This is what you do. And if you don't do it, you're rude. And yeah, I think that's, that's, oh, it's beautiful that you're doing that now and that you are, it's like almost a little bit triggering for you and you have to work through that, you know, like, I love that. Um, Yeah. Um, What do you think keeps women in this cycle of people pleasing and like not being able to set boundaries? I think it's a few different things, but I think probably the three things that really come to mind would be like not having a strong sense of self or their identity. I think that's a really dangerous trap. Yep. Um, 
And I think guilt and fear, guilt of, you know, oh, they're going to be so upset or, you know, they're not going to receive it well. That fear of how people are going to respond is what keeps that cycle going because at some point you have to step back and go, this is my boundary and this is actually not my problem. Like this is how I feel and this is the consequence and I can't be afraid of your reaction because this is important to me. And I don't think you can do that if you don't have that strong sense of self. Yeah, 100%. Um, Again, you were saying something and it comes to me. I hate that. I listen so intently and then I'm like, I have a thought and I'm like, oh, yes, that thing. Um, It was the guilt and fear. It was a guilt (laughs) and fear. Um, Because the thing is, when, especially in romantic relationships, you know, the guilt of like, maybe they're not going to receive this or the fear they're not going to receive this right. And maybe I'm going to rock the boat and then we're going to have conflict and then maybe they're going to leave like all the things that actually just builds resentment at, at like an unconscious level that this person's not seeing you or, or understanding you, but you're actually not giving them the chance to do that because you're not yeah. being honest. You're not setting boundaries. You're not um, speaking up and saying, this is what I need. It's like, how can they see you and listen to you and validate you when you don't actually give them that yeah I agree and that's the thing right like if you don't have that strong sense of self it's so easy and if your self-worth is really low it's so easy to give in to make wanting to make other people receive things well or making them feel good Mm. I fell into that for a very long time and was very resentful I was very resentful in my relationships because I'm like, you don't fucking see me. You don't validate me. Like, and, but then I realized that I'm not, you, or you're not meeting my expectations. This is what I expect. And you're not meeting me there. Realizing that this is in my head. I never actually said it out loud. <laughs> I'm like, how can I expect that this person's going to know what I want when I haven't said it? And that was one of the things that I, you know, I realized I didn't really, not I didn't really like about myself, but it's something that I needed to work on in order to have healthier relationships. And now it's something I'm incredibly conscious of is having those conversations, even when you feel like, oh God, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but my intention is good. And I think intention plays a big part in just communicating in general. Yeah. I think intention and delivery are really important. And Resentment is actually one of the major reasons that relationships break down. Like you may think about, you know, they say it's finances and sexual intimacy and other things like that, Mm -hmm. but it's actually the resentment that those issues cause that are the reason that relationships break down. So it's something you have to be so sure on. And if you have these conversations about boundaries from the get-go, then most of the need for that resentment is gone because they're not going to cross it in the first place. Yeah. And if they do, it's like, well, I, I I was clear. This is my boundary, you know. And and I think it comes with compromise and, and not necessarily boundaries, but people pleasing and, and compromising with each other and making sure that you're both heard. But, yeah, it just being like this is my, you could even call it like a standard. This is my standard in this relationship. And if we agree to that, we should hold each other accountable. And I think that's another thing that people don't go into relationships really thinking of like what do I value what um, is important to me what are my boundaries what are my like non-negotiables and are we on the same page people fall very quickly into my god I'm in love with this person and then it's a year two years down the track and you realize that oh shit like they keep crossing this boundary or they keep like not meeting my expectations and why don't we have this conversation sooner (laughs) 
Yeah. And I mean, look, you're not going to be able to find out all of the conversations to have at the very beginning, but you need to be addressing them on the way, because if you're not addressing them on the way, that's when you're going to run into real issues. And for the love of God, if there is a red flag, please, please, please like either address it or walk away from it. Like red flags are there for a reason. Yes. I shared a post on this yesterday saying, uh, um, listen to people's actions like they will show you who they are and a lot of the time people will say they're going to change something or say oh no you know if you raise something with them that's a problem and they say they're going to change and yet they continue to exhibit the same behavior listen to that that's yeah. the red flag that is their truth that's what they're telling you even though they the words don't match and you know integrity is important and if someone's not you know if someone's actions aren't matching their words they're not in integrity and we need that to feel safe. Like I need to feel you are in integrity so I can feel secure and safe and like you actually mean what you say. I think that's such a huge, huge part in romantic relationships as well. I agree. Actually, one of my favorite quotes from a book is mind what people do, not only what they say for actions will betray a lie. Mm, Yes. So you are a mom now. I am. Yes. And what do you think becoming a mom um, has done for your, either your people pleasing or like, has it changed your relationship with boundaries and, and what that entails for you in your life? Um, I think it has to a degree. And I was thinking about this earlier and I was like, actually, I don't know if it's really changed it. It's probably made me more aware of the boundaries and the behaviours that I want to show my daughter. But I think for me, the real pivotal point in not wanting to people please or have you know have the courage to put boundaries in place was from that dv relationship and because i had done so much work since then i think i already had a really strong base going into motherhood that boundaries and people pleasing were not something that i had to give much conscious thought to yeah. and i'm not the sort of mum who hesitates to put a boundary in place i mean i had to have a conversation with my mum the other day when she was here and say to her, like, mom, I really need you to not tell my daughter she's being a sook when mm-hmm. we do things like put up her hair if she's crying. And mom was like, oh, you know, well, she's just crying for no reason. And I'm like, it's no reason to you, but it's a reason to her. And I want her to feel safe in expressing that. So I need you to not do that anymore. And my mom is now so used to me putting boundaries in place that she was like, yep, 100%, I can see that that's okay. I'll change my behavior. There was no, didn't have to be any big discussion or like, I'm not doing that or, you know, resentment or argument because right. I'm like, this is a boundary. It's really clear. This is the behavior that needs to change. And this is the the standard that I'm going to accept from here. I love that. And people find it so difficult, including myself. It's something I'm still really working on is, is setting the boundary. And I think it comes around, people don't know how to communicate it or say it in a way that you know, it doesn't feel like you're being really blunt and, you know, horrible to somebody, even though that's not what it is. I think women especially feel like, oh, how can I say this in a way that the other person's going to be okay with it, you know? Yeah, I think for me, the key to that is where is this coming from? And I don't mean in like, where is it coming from as in what's an intention, but more so where is this actually coming from in my body? And for me, if it is coming from my heart space, then I can soften into it and be gentle with my delivery, but still firm with my boundary. 
so that, you know, I know that the intention is good because I can feel where it's coming from in my body. And that's the way that I sort of perceive things is I'm a very much a feeling person. So where does it feel like it's coming from? And as long as it's coming from that heart space, I know that the way I deliver it will be okay. Yeah, 100%. That's a really great way to kind of lean in and also be in connection with your body as well. Um, And practice, I suppose, as well. Everything feels difficult the first time that you're doing it or the first couple of times that you're doing it. It's not going to feel comfortable. But it's like the more that we avoid doing it, it's not going to get easier. (laughs) We actually have to do the thing. And again, that's that's something I'm learning um, in my own relationship is just being able to set the boundary and and say it in a, in a way that's going to be received but it's also firm and the other person is is open to that um and if they're not it's not really on you because this is about protecting your what you need and, and your energy and in your case obviously your child and it's not really your responsibility to hold the other person's emotion around it or how they feel about it and I think that's the thing right like if you soften into it you'll be met with soft softness. It doesn't mean that your boundary is not firm. It just means Mm -hmm. that you're being more vulnerable. And in that sort of that different energy, if you come at it from hardness of like, don't fucking do that. For an example, I hope I can swear on this podcast. Oh my God. Absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah. If you come (laughs) at it like, you know, don't fucking do that. That response is automatically even saying that I feel myself tense up and be like, whoa, I'm going to get defensive in response to it. Yeah, exactly. And so if you soften, people don't have a chance to be defensive. And if they are defensive, that tells you so much about their headspace and where they're at. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're going to experience that. (laughs) You can be as soft as you want to be. And sometimes the other person is not going to receive it. And I think it's important to say it because you might then walk away from that interaction thinking, oh, was I wrong? Oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe that wasn't the right thing to do and all the things. And it's like, some people just aren't going to receive it. That's not on you. Like you said, if it comes from a, um, your heart space, if it comes from that place, then it's the right thing. The work then is to um, soothe your own nervous system in that, which is something that I often have to do. You know, you have a difficult conversation and you go away and you're like, right, now I've got to like self-soothe and work through that because I know my intention was good. I know I spoke and my truth Maybe it wasn't received, but like, that's not my responsibility. My responsibility is now to deal with my own nervous system. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of damage can come sometimes from the way we reflect back on our delivery as well. Cause I know that when I've been met with defensiveness or with someone not agreeing with me, it's been very easy for then for me to just sort of, yeah, that just like totally went out of my head. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, that's right there. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this is so important. And then it just literally just flew out of my head. Yeah. Good. Can't be that important. (laughs) Well, it probably was important, but you know what? Fine. Wasn't meant to be on this. It will drop back in if it needs to, I'm sure. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're we're talking about like really in this knowing yourself and, and, and having to know yourself, because if you don't, then how can you set boundaries? How can you know what's important to you? You know, how can you not people please because if you don't know what who you are that's really important so I wanted to ask you um what are three things that you think can help women really show up more authentically as who they are and communicate their needs to the people in their life I think this all comes back to the stuff that you need to do for yourself first and I think that the number one thing that everyone needs to do 
and I, I, I use need so hesitantly because I don't like <laughs> needing or shooting on people. Right. But I think it's so important to get really, really clear on who you are. And that means unraveling the perceptions of other people because you can't authentically show up as yourself if you're still living with the impressions that have been put on you from your younger years. Yeah. So I really do think it all comes back to getting clear on who you are because that will also tell you why you people please. And that's another thing I think you can do is get really clear and find out why you actually people please. Where is that coming from? Is that something from your childhood? Like red hot tip, it absolutely is. (laughs) Spoiler alert, it's all from childhood. (laughs) Yeah, it's from those first seven years, guarantee. (laughs) But like get clear on finding out where that actually comes from because that's part of the unraveling and the getting clear on who you are. And then I think understanding that other people's responses, like you said before, are not your problem. And it quite often says more about them than it does about you with how they respond. And being able to be gentle on your, I think this is where I was going to go before actually, was to be gentle on yourself when you're reflecting back on something and realizing what is actually you and what isn't you. Because I Mm. think sometimes it's really easy to like put those feelings of other people back on yourself. What could I have done better without becoming critical of what you could have done better? So I think that's the three things for me. Get really clear on who you are, find out where the people pleasing comes from, and then understanding that other people's responses are not necessarily your problem or your fault. Yeah, the self-compassion piece in that is so huge because we just shame ourselves and judge ourselves so fucking much way too much like it, it, it doesn't help and it doesn't help you process and then that's so, so much easier said than done and believe me it's taken a lot of work to get to this point where you know maybe I make a mistake or I have a conversation and I walk away and I'm not tearing myself to shreds about how that went or how the person reacted it takes a lot to show yourself some compassion and be like okay even if it wasn't the best even if I didn't phrase it in the best way doesn't mean I'm a bad person right? It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm shit and this and they were right about me and I'm horrible. Like, it doesn't mean that. It just means that I could do it better next time. And I think, yeah, the compassion for yourself is, for, for me personally, is what is one of the biggest, like, puzzle pieces in my healing journey so far is, like, to stop shaming myself and actually give myself some more understanding for why I do the things that I do. And when I make a mistake, be compassionate with that as well. Yeah, and I think the more you understand yourself, the more you're able to understand what you do and don't do in a conversation, what you are actually responsible for and what you're not responsible for. And I'm a big believer of you're responsible for everything in your life. However, you're not responsible for the way other people respond to you. That is one thing you're just not responsible for. If you're delivering it well and maybe you make a mistake in your delivery, like I made a mistake in my delivery to my partner yesterday, which caused an argument, But that doesn't mean that I'm going to sit there and then be super critical of myself and go, oh, it's all my fault. Mm. I can then go, and I said this to him yesterday, oh, I probably should have said this instead of saying that. And I'm, you know, I'm sorry for that and owning my part of it. But that wouldn't have happened before I actually knew who I was. It would have been all everybody else's fault. Yes. Biggie. (laughs) (laughs) It is taking ownership, being able to, like, when you were speaking then, I was like, being able to fucking own it and say because there's a difference between 
knowing that maybe, oh yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. Like I, I caused that argument there because of my wording or because of whatever. And actually communicating that back to the person to say, oh yeah, sorry about that. Because so many of us are get stuck in that, like, I'm not fucking admitting it, whatever. We'll just, and this comes back to like what you were saying about your mom just not like just sweeping things under the carpet it was exactly the same with my parents. It's like, let's just move on from that and pretend that never happened instead of going, sorry about that. Sorry for my behavior and we move on. Like owning your shit. Oh my God, it's changed so much in my life. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I'm reminded even of being in Bali with my sister and my sister's 13 years older than me for some context here. So she's right. very much a mother figure as well. We are in Bali and I dropped a paddle pop stick or whatever on the ground because I was done with it. And my sister's like, pick that up. And I was like, nah, I'm not doing that. And so she went back and picked it up. And then immediately after I said to her, I'm so sorry. I don't know why I just did that. Like, I don't know where that came from. It came from my my childhood once again. Of course. Yeah. But, you know, she was just like, thank you for saying that. Like, thank you for acknowledging that. And the more that I've done that with people in relationships and being open and honest and vulnerable and apologized when I've needed to, the stronger my relationships have gotten, the more open the communication has gotten. Yeah, same here. And it's so hard. It's so hard, especially when you've been conditioned the complete opposite way. So anyone that's listening that's like, oh, my God, I just can't deal with that. I I know it feels so big and like I don't want to own up. And if I say that I'm, you know, I'm wrong or I'm sorry, that means that I'm weak or I'm all the things. And it's like, actually, you know, think about when somebody does something wrong to you and then they apologize. How do you feel? You know, you feel a little bit more validated. You feel a little bit like we've got that back a bit of a connection now. It's exactly the same when you do it to them. It's so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think it just creates stronger relationships. Boundaries and apologies, strong relationships. I love it. Yeah, so good for relationships. Um, so I have a closing question on my podcast, which is what do you think that the wider impact of women doing the inner work can have on the world? I think when you do the work on yourself, it doesn't just change your perception of yourself. It literally changes your perception of the world around you. The more you understand about yourself, the more you understand the world around you. And it's so easy then to change our reactions and our responses to things and also to be able to like put ourselves in somebody else's shoes and not make it about us. It's It affects your everyday interactions with someone from, you know, trying to order a coffee and the lady being grumpy at you instead of then allowing that to maybe ruin your whole day you can sort of go wow I wonder what's going on for her and you know maybe I should ask her are you okay like are you having an all right day is there anything I can do for you I think the more you work on yourself in fact I promise you the more you work on yourself the more the world around you will change and it will become a better place to live in I guarantee it I 100% agree with that thank you for the answer (laughs) um so if people want to find you if they want to work with you um they want to get in your world where can they find you I mostly hang out on Instagram which is at Jade Hannah I'm going to spell it for you because my parents didn't name me easy it's J-A-Y-D-E-H-A-N-N-A um or you can even listen to my podcast it's mainly for mums which is called motherhood to me again 
Um, but yeah, I would love to connect with people on Instagram. So like, please feel free to come and message me and even just tell me how amazing Megan is. I'm always like, yeah. Awesome. I'll pop that in the show notes as well for everybody so they can go check out your podcast. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you so much for chatting with me today. I've loved this conversation. Me too. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would love if you would share it on your Instagram and tag me at Megan Scully underscore. Till next time, my loves.